Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast where we break down every episode of the 10 season show. Today we're talking about season 7, episode 15, Phantom of CU. Mary, what happened this week? Steve, as punishment for cheating, has to work for the school doing not only trash, but security. His punishment boss, Tony, tells Steve there's a homeless prankster who's been messing with the other security guards and to stay vigilant for the Phantom of CU. But it's Steve, so he doesn't do that. While Steve naps on the job, the Phantom pays a visit, swapping his textbook for comics and throwing a rock at his head. But Steve is ready for him next time. He catches the Phantom, a student named Larry Lincoln, who Claire happens to be looking for so she can take his senior photo. Larry was unable to afford housing and a meal plan on top of his tuition, so he's been living in the basement of the physics building and eating the school's wasted food. Steve decides not to turn Larry in and gives him the pool money he won for almost catching him because Larry deserves to graduate and pranks are funny. I love Larry. I kind of want a spinoff because we know we love to talk about spinoffs of Larry and Steve as like a buddy cop type of show. Like it could really work. I just feel like they're the same with different privilege. (laughs) And yeah, so that's where we would get like, okay, Steve gets his own apartment after school, knows that, you know, Larry doesn't have any money. And he's like, hey, bud, come live with me. I don't want to be by myself, but like I got this covered. And Mm -hmm. then like truly, I mentioned this to y'all over Slack. It's very – Winston and Nick where like Nick doesn't have money ever and they're like we sneak money into your laundry because we're worried about you (laughs) and they prank together that's the thing like the pranking like they thought the same things were funny they enjoyed talking to each other like it was a very fast kind of ease to this friendship so I'm for it and yeah just think of what Larry can teach Steve. I mean, I was dying when he comes up in his hoodie with it like all the way zipped up and it's just the tiny little hole that he sees out of and he's just like sneaking up along. It's the best part. Like his his like little it's not even a costume because it's literally just a hoodie cinched up is the best part. And his little like swapping his textbook for the comic book. Loved it. I love it. Like, that is dedication. Again, going back to Nick Miller, when he spends all of his money on pranks, and they're just like, where did you get all of this money? (laughs) This has been very elaborate. Because, yeah, I mean, I do like that we get to see that Steve is facing punishment for his actions. And I love that uh, Punishment Boss, is that what you called him? Tony? Is just knows about it right like he knows the full detail it's not just like oh this is another kid who has to do the time for his crime it's like no no i know that you plagiarized you probably shouldn't have done that and here's all the things you have to do you have to have the night shift you have to dress in this jumpsuit jumpsuit you have to do dumpster detail which is essentially just like getting stuff out of the dumpster like i don't understand what fully entails dumpster detail Yeah, I didn't know if it was getting stuff out of the dumpster or putting stuff into the dumpster. 
Mm. Or organizing it. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> they like to have a very clean dumpster. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so he has to run the night shift, and that's when, yeah, Tony tells Steve that a homeless person has been giving them a hard time and pulling pranks. And basically, this is the part that kind of lost me. Because he basically says, if you catch this homeless person that we've not been able to find, we will commute your sentence. Because that's their authority? (laughs) It's always acting like this is like an actual crime story. Like, Mm -hmm. he had to go to trial. He had to plead guilty. Now he's, you know, serving out his sentence. But his sentence could be commuted for good behavior. I mean, I love that they're committing to that theme, though. Like, this makes our whole Law and Order 90210 just perfect. (laughs) It really is a perfect analogy. Like, go us. I do love that we immediately, pretty, like, early in the episode, because this is, like, scene three, we get the title of the episode spoken, right? Because Mm -hmm. it was in, like, the final part of the scene is Tony telling Steve that the guy, the homeless guy that's been pranking them, they call him the Phantom of CU, which is the title of our episode. I know. Which, honestly, not a bad name for a mysterious prankster. Agreed. Yeah. And then we pretty immediately see Steve on the night shift. And he makes a comment of, like, how am I supposed to do all of this and go to school during the day and pass all my classes? And I love that Tony's just like, that's really not my problem. Sorry. Yeah. Should have thought of that before you stole your buddy's paper. Like, yeah, Yeah. you should have. Yeah. And so Steve is on his first night shift. He falls asleep because he does all of his things and then has to go, like, work a full night. And, yeah, the Phantom just, like, sneaks up in his little hoodie, Mm -hmm. just takes the one and replaces it. What is his little note? He's just, like, you've been had by the Phantom. strikes again. That's it. And then he throws a rock. <laughs> See, that part, I was like, is he trying to wake Steve up or is he, like, legitimately trying to just make noise? Like, is he trying to hit Steve or hit the glass? I, yeah, I wasn't sure because, you know, he, he steals the textbook. He, like, slinks away, goes behind a bush. I was like, is he just going to put the textbook there? And then everyone's just like, Steve, your book's over here, you <laughs> dummy. That would, but no. that would track. Right? But no, he like, yeah, picks up a rock and he does claim later he was trying to hit the security box and not Steve's face. But he nails Steve like right in the temple. (laughs) Yeah, it was like perfectly hit in the forehead. It was perfect. And yeah, I mean, Steve, you know, wakes up, doesn't catch him, and then cut to... The next morning where, you know, we find out he's at the peach pit and there's this like other story going on where Claire is trying to find every single senior at CU. And so they start talking about what's been going on with Steve. But like that's how Claire comes into the story. And it's just Steve being like, I didn't get any sleep and I got hit in the head. (laughs) I did kind of love Sleepy Steve. So... I hate, hate, hate that Ian Ziering is just so damn charismatic and adorable because he just makes me forget about all the crap that Steve actually does. I know. Like, 
so when that scene first starts and Brandon and Tracy are in the booth and Steve comes over and tries to lean on Brandon and Brandon's just like, no. <laughs> They're adorable. What is happening? Yeah, Why do I love them? Right? Yeah. That oh, Man, talk about like what changed the most over the course of the seven seasons we've been doing thus far. Yeah. Cut to the next night, I guess. I'm not really sure exactly the timing of this. I think it's, you know, that same night after the last night. Steve pretends to be asleep in his security box and the phantom can't help himself. Got to come like prank the guy again. But surprise or not surprise because you really could see it coming. Steve wasn't really asleep. We get an excellent chase scene. I'm like, hey, you come back here. <laughs> but this phantom is either insanely fast or Steve is ridiculously slow. Um, I put in my notes, phantom is fast, but I spelled fast like P-H. <laughs> I just want everyone to know that. <laughs> um, I love that for you. <laughs> but yeah, eventually Steve catches him after all and phantom like takes his little hoodie off and turns out this guy knows steve like they should know each other they were in the same sociology class i really hope it wasn't the same class that he had with professor randall which is <laughs> where my brain yeah and my brain immediately went there um but all this time his radio is or walkie talkie is going off too saying like hey there's a phantom sighting at the physics building or something like that and so obviously like now our phantom hears that and is like basically begging steve to not tell on him because he's trying to say hey it's it's harmless pranks i'm a senior too i'm actually going to be the first one in my entire family to have the chance to graduate college they're just pranks and of course steve doesn't like because i think at the end of the day not only does steve have just a good heart steve also probably is just like yeah I like you. You're kind of funny. What you're doing is funny. You're not hurting anybody. So I'm not going to turn you in. Why would I do that? Right. That's like almost exactly what I put in my notes in this moment is like, you know, the phantom introduces himself, asks him not to tell. And I was just like, Steve, this is you. You're looking in a mirror right now. Like put a hoodie on. You'd never tell the difference between the two of you. Mm -hmm. Exactly. No, I love that Steve doesn't rat on him. And I love, like, the way Steve reacts to all of this in this episode. You know, the last episode, Steve behaved well, but, like, you know, it was a very interesting story. Like, we've got two Steve kind of behaving well episodes in a row. I That's what, yeah. I noticed the same thing. It's like, I don't know, grown-up Steve. It, it just makes me believe that he took everything – that Claire has said to him to heart. He's taken everything that Brandon has said, even though they've been more like, you know, under what is, what is it called? Um, Like not really said under the breath, but like he's saying things to Steve. He's not really outright being mean. He's just kind of like laying it out there being like, yeah, you did this thing bad. And then you did this thing bad. And Steve, you're trying to be the best Steve you can be you know stuff like that maybe it's finally sinking in with Steve and I would love it if it was because I we already know how great Steve is as like I and Zeering. so if it matched some sort of good person character 
best character. <laughs> I'd be set. I mean, like, I would love nothing more than, you know, get to season eight or whatever and just be like, oh, my God, we love Brandon now. Steve is a good person. David isn't being super toxic with Donna. Like, mm-hmm. could you imagine if every man on this show just, like, lived up to our expectations? Honestly, like – we might be the closest we can possibly get right at this moment. Is this our golden hour for 90210? <laughs> Is this the time we quit and never drop another episode ever again? That's what I'm thinking. All right, guys, it's been fun. <laughs> We're moving on to the uh, 2008 or whatever version of 90210. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> anyway, so, you know, it turns out we find out the next day. Um, I don't think Claire says it to Steve. I think she just says it in general that the only person she hasn't found in the seniors is Larry Lincoln. Yeah, which, she like, tells Brandon and Tracy at the station. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. But then we cut to Tony, the maintenance guy, and Steve. And it turns out that, like, you know, Steve said he didn't see anything. Um but between what Steve said and all this, like, sightings and whatnot, they've actually found where Larry has been sleeping. Right. And, you know, they're looking through all of his stuff. Steve notices he has a laptop and, like, very casually tries to cover it up so that they don't take the laptop, which Mm -hmm. is a very noble thing. Like, it's – I was concerned when they made all these comments about a homeless person. I was like, okay, you you have someone living on your campus. That's not – the worst thing that's ever happened in the world. They're not attacking students. They're just playing pranks. They're playing hot feet or whatever they said it was. Yeah, I don't even know what hot feet is, but yeah, it's same thing. I was like, he's they kept acting like he was a I don't know, seasoned criminal or something like that. And I just mm-hmm. I was getting a little nervous every time same. they kind of brought that up and connected it with the fact that he was experiencing homelessness. And so I was just worried that we were going to go down a path that doesn't look great in 2022, but we really didn't. It kind of like, you know, towed the line, but didn't cross it because they were just trying to say like, he really can't live in these basements and steal, you know, the phone line, you know, stuff like that, you know, whatever electricity he was using. But so I wouldn't say it's illegal or criminal activity, which is the words they were using, but I would just say like, you really can't do that. Yeah, and we'll get to him having a phone when we get to the other episode. Mm-hmm. But yeah, because Tony makes this comment about how you can't rip off an education, which like, but he's not like you can't just go to school without paying your tuition. Like, I think that's the problem, right? You know, we find out yeah. pretty much in the next scene that you know Larry had taken out loans, he got scholarships, he did all this stuff, but the problem is like. You know, his parents had, like, a ton of kids. He has a ton of siblings. And at some point, they had to be like, look, you got to do this on your own. And he ran out of money. He was like, I can Mm -hmm. either go to school or I can have housing. And I really want to finish my school. So I just stopped paying for housing. And it sounds like it's only been for this year because he says that the loans ran out last semester. Yeah, honestly – when he said that, like, we're in a new semester, I almost was wondering if it's only been a few weeks. Right, right. And, and gosh, it's it's got to be humbling for Steve to hear all of this because he's so used to, like, everybody kind of 
maybe not being at the same level of like financial security that he is maybe kelly is closest to that but like brandon is supposed to be you know this kind of like middle-class family albeit jim had a really really good job and got promoted a bunch even just Mm -hmm. the few seasons that he was he was on the show but you know claire probably had it good because her dad works for the university but this is pretty humbling for him to hear because he hasn't really been around people that aren't well off or at the very least able to not just pay for school even if they have to take out a loan but also able to afford housing and food and whatever it is that they are wanting to do. I mean, the only person who is close to that is probably David because he lived in the dorms for a little while and now he's living and at Mark's house, you know? So. Yeah. I mean, literally when Larry says that he can't afford housing and he like, he essentially says he dumpster dives for food. Steve had a pro like, he seemed like, you don't pay for food. And I mm-hmm. love Larry being like, do you know how much waste there is in the world? Like, I feel like that is just going to hit no matter what year you watch this show. 100%. But Steve just pulls out hundreds of dollars from his wallet. And like, yeah, this is, you know, not – we don't have proof this is the amount of money that Steve normally carries around, but we also – don't not have proof this is the amount <laughs> yeah. of money that Steve carries around. Right. I do love, though, you know, he puts it down and Larry is like, I don't take charity, mm-hmm. which, you know, makes sense. And then Steve is just like, no, you're going to pay me back. And, like, also you should go see my girlfriend because, like, that's a favor you can do for me. Yeah, I, I really also loved that exchange just because, like, it felt – genuine from steve Mm -hmm. and like he's trying to be like dude i'm your friend but i know we just met like you know like kind of that like i want to help you out but i also like we're bonding here so i'm not trying to do anything weird um and like they're giggling at one point like they end the scene laughing like i totally think they would be friends and i really like larry i wish he was gonna be around but we know he's only gonna be around like one episode maybe one more at graduation who knows but i really like larry and i looked him up as a guest star because i was like he looks he has one of those faces yes but he really hasn't been in anything that i have seen he's been in like 600 episodes of i think one life to live or general hospital or one of those um so he has been working steadily in the soap opera world, which is wonderful. I love anybody that can can do that. Um, but yeah, I just – I really liked Larry. I loved Larry. Like nothing made me happier than at the end of the scene when they just burst out laughing together. It's mm-hmm. like, oh my god, please be best friends forever. Just like little pen pals. Agreed. Yeah. And – You know, I think the last thing that we see with them is Larry, you know, Steve tells Claire, he's like, oh, well, you know, I think Larry Lincoln, I think you're going to find him real soon. Mm -hmm. And Larry decides that he's going to take his photo in his graduation gown with his hoodie cinched up around his face in the basement. He's like, I got to take the photo where I live and you're going to put my real name, the Phantom of CU. I love it. I love it. And I love how much Claire has this photographer and she's like, don't tell anyone. Like, Claire got (laughs) in on this. 
I mean, and she should. I mean, the like, she had told Steve that she was proud of him and that he had a good heart just because he was doing this. And, I mean, even Claire was sounding a little privileged earlier when she was like, well, he probably should get expelled for his crimes, which, again, like, wrong use of the word crimes. But yeah. they're committing to it, so it's, you know, we'll allow it. <laughs> um, but I do like that there was space for Claire to be like, judgy at first but then hear steve's passion and quite frankly empathy for larry and have that change her mind um Mm -hmm. and to see how that changed her mind by doing the photography and taking his picture with his real name and the hoodie yeah it was good i loved it so much good storyline overall i really loved it i mean yeah, yeah i was i was legit nervous at the beginning and like it was great i mean they kept talking about like I think Claire calls him a felon. And I was like, is it a felony? Like, let's be real here. I don't know. It doesn't I don't feel so. like a felony. Yeah, like, what do you do? Like, maybe... Because the things... Because I don't... Gen- I genuinely don't think he was stealing anything because I guarantee you all the stuff in his... In, in the basement where he was staying was his stuff. Because it's not like mm-hmm. he didn't have things. He just didn't have a place for the things. So. Yeah, it it would be like the electricity and the phone line, and then the wa- the wasted food. But at the same time, like he is paying tuition, so using electricity on campus is like part of your tuition. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm, I I don't believe that fees, those extra college fees, only happened in <laughs> two thousand nine when we were in school. <laughs> so I have to believe that there was some sort of like maintenance fee or you know i'm even thinking silly things like the gym fees that they would tack on Mm -hmm. and and like environmental fees like things that we never would be able to define but all that stuff is included because you're then using resources and things so i feel like that would that would count right like tops it is the actual act of sleeping in the basement and like storing Mm -hmm. your stuff there like I'm sure, you know, if somebody was really petty about it, they could charge him with something. But, like, I don't think he's a felon, Claire. He's just sleeping in a basement. (laughs) Yep. But, yeah, good story. Loved it. Steve. Loved it. Impressed me two weeks in a row. Agreed. We'll see. Can Steve go three for three? We'll find out. Will the streak continue? But until then... Mary, what else happened this week? Claire and Donna aren't really sure how Kelly's taking her breakup with Mark, so they decide to set her up on a blind date with some brilliant, good-looking guy Claire's dad wanted her to date. It goes poorly. Donna is CUTV's new weather and practical weather-appropriate fashion person, and some of the crew like it. Others don't. By others, I mean camera guy Rusty, I had to look up his name, who makes some inappropriate comments about Donna's performance to other camera guy Evan. Other camera guy Evan wants Donna to set him up with Kelly, but since she just had that awful date, she's not up for another one. But then she changes her mind, agreeing to a double date to the pee pad to see Donna Lewis perform, the reason this episode was only on DVD, and the source of partnership drama between David and Val. While all of this is happening, Donna starts getting creepy phone calls from someone who saw her on campus TV. They 
escalate to leaving a message on one of her vocal tracks for CUTV terrifying her. Good thing other camera guy Evan is there to be supportive, thinking emoji. <laughs> Literally all Brandon does this episode is give Tracy more information she does not need to know. Yeah. Well, we'll get there. <laughs> I do love that just like, I don't know what it was about it, but that very first scene where Donna walks in and calls Claire C. She's just like, hey, C. And Claire is like, PB&J, you want half? I did love that, too. I love roommates and friends being roommates and friends. <laughs> right? Like, just so adorable. And especially because, like, yeah, she's just making a sandwich. And she's like, you know, I don't really need this whole sandwich. Like, <laughs> Which, that can't be right. I always need the whole PB&J. I, I don't know. <laughs> right? I was like, never in my life has this happened. Occasionally, like, John will surprise me with a second sandwich, but Ooh. never half of the original sandwich. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. The only time I would take half of the sandwich is when it's in a pub sub because let's be real, we're we're ordering the foot long and saving the other half yeah. for later. No, that's exactly it. Like John will be on his way home and stop at Publix and come home with a whole instead of a half. Mm-hmm. And that other half, that's for me. Oh, yeah. But – yeah, their whole conversation is about how they're like, we don't really know what Kelly's thinking after she's had this breakup. Like, this is probably the most casual breakup Kelly has had. Like, not casual because that scene in that last episode was a lot, but like, she and Mark weren't her and Colin or her and Brandon. Yeah, it wasn't some... I mean, let's call it what it is. It wasn't a cocaine felony style breakup and it wasn't a my boyfriend proposed to me and I'm not ready to get married. Also, I cheated on you with my ex-boyfriend. So, yeah, to say it was a casual breakup, understatement. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. It was not a casual breakup for Mark, though, because he has left CEU. Mark Reese has left the building and building has left the building and taken his inheritance with him. <laughs> but not his house. Not his house. Yeah. Apparently David, we'll get to that, but I'm just gonna casually mention it here. David's still staying in the quote unquote Hollywood Hills house, not Mark's house. <laughs> it's just uh, now the Hollywood Hills house. <laughs> I like let out a like silent scream. I was like, oh my god. They, like, mm-hmm. had the set, and they didn't want to get rid of it. So they were just like, it's ours now. Sorry. We need a party house, and we've shown what happens when we use Casa Walsh as a party house. <laughs> I do feel like this writer's room was like, find David a new place to live. Pretend it's fine. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Just Which shove it under the rug of the Hollywood Hills house. It's fine. It's not Mark's house. It's the Hollywood Hills house. Yep. But no. Kelly's totally fine. She took a mental health break. She walked to the beach to Topanga. I know. Actually, She picked up a bunch of shells. She wants to craft with those shells. She's never felt so free, even to the point where she's like, Mark who? Which, give us two seasons and we'll probably be saying the same thing. <laughs> In two seasons, we won't know his name. We'll be like, That's who what is I mean. that guy? <laughs> and yeah. she like puts the nail in the coffin when 
you know, because obviously Claire and Donna are like, well, are you sure you're okay? And she's like, the wound only went as deep as the guy. And I'm like, is that a dig on both his intelligence because he didn't get the dryer fellowship and because like she didn't really like him that much? Because if it is, savage. So I was laughing through this whole scene because when they have Mark like, you know, quote unquote, introduce himself to Kelly by going and buying him, buying books and giving them to her. Like, I thought that was supposed to be being like, Mark is deep. Mark is a combination Mm -hmm. of all your boyfriends. And now she's just like, he wasn't that deep. And Claire's like, I thought he was a spoiled brat from day one. Yeah. (laughs) And I love like, yeah, I'm like, Claire, no, you didn't. And also Kelly, like, you liked him. Like, you had feelings for him. You didn't want to sleep with him, but you liked him. Right? It's just so funny to me how casually they're just like, we've moved on. Get over it. <laughs> yeah. And, like, we do have to establish a ton of other stuff in this scene because Claire's like, okay, you're over him. Let me set you up with this guy. It's totally cool. My dad's wanted me to date him for years. It's going to be great. And then she goes, it's not like Brandon's around to pick up the pieces. Oh, yeah. And, and it was a touch awkward to the point where Claire is like, ooh, sorry. I kind of didn't mean it the way it came out, but also like facts. <laughs> right. I feel like there was a pause of like, how does she take it? She didn't take it well. That's not how I meant it to come out. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry you hurt it that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm sorry that hurt your feelings. Yeah. Not sorry I said it because – Let's be honest, Claire is too direct. Yeah, she's never sorry about actually saying anything. She just apologizes for then being wrong, which is also fine. I mean, it's very entertaining to watch, so, like, Mm -hmm. I'm not mad. And then we find out that Donna is going to be the weather girl on CUTV, and I was so excited. So excited. Like, beyond. Once she said that she's going to be the weather – she just, like, kind of says it in passing. I'm like – Whose idea was this? We were just establishing that Donna feels insecure about not securing a job after college. She's going to go be the damn weather person. Yes. (laughs) I swear to God, she said it in passing and Brandon was just like, job? You want a job? I have a job. Right? I mean, because, yeah, literally, like, I mean, I don't think there was anything else left in this scene, but... We The next thing we see is outside of all the B-roll, we go to the TV broadcast. Claire is we, – we establish that she's doing the committee for the school pictures or whatever. And Donna is just, like, getting ready to be the weather girl, and she's so nervous, and she's, like, a little kind of hyperventilating. But Brandon is there, like, cheering her on, like, you're going to do great, trying to calm her down. It's adorable. And David is there, too. Like mm-hmm. – I kind of died that he came in just talking and Brandon was like, we're filming right now. What are you doing? Like, do you not see the red light? (laughs) David worked on this station before Brandon did. He would have known. But the fact that he came to support Donna is that same, like, David is a different David than he has been previously with Donna. And so I am here for it. I am here for the support system of Donna. Totally agree. And I love, too, that this shift in David doesn't feel like a complete 180. You know, I think changing a character can sometimes be difficult, 
because you don't want to make the change too drastic, but you also don't want to make it so slow that you take an entire season to establish Mm -hmm. where a character's going, right? I think they've done it really, really well because you do at times see David still have a little bit of a temper, still be a little bit defensive. You still see some of the, the David that is true to his character, but we also now understand him better because of what he's been going through. So yeah, the fact that now he's being supportive and not taking things out on Donna, it's amazing and it's wonderful and I love it. Yeah, like exactly like you said, we still see the hints of David, but it feels more like against Tom, who's a character we don't know and therefore have no emotional attachment to, but to Donna, he is supportive boyfriend. Yeah, and it's balanced, right? You can still have anger and you can still have, you know, jealousy or, or you know, really negative emotions but with David it's always been that they've happened in these huge swings but now Mm -hmm. we're seeing a much more balanced David where he can still have all of he can experience his entire you know um like range of emotions it's just in a much more controlled and balanced um scale yeah um and I think that's important like he should still feel his emotions but like you know explain it to Donna like or Mm -hmm. just you know not not take it out on Donna be like oh this is what I feel exactly yeah Donna's hook for being the weather girl where she's fashion girl where she just like slaps weather things up on the screen and then just like slowly takes off her clothes and is like a baseball cap is a fashion accessory not an excuse to not wash your hair it was so perfectly Donna like the magnets is what got me. I couldn't even write anything down. I was like the magnets. <laughs> right? No. I I wrote in my notes. I was like if this was just YouTube clips of like local weather girl does stuff, I'd watch an hour of it. 100%. There's like some weather girl today that literally does or she has before when Taylor Swift has released new music. She incorporates like the tracks or some of the lyrics into her weather forecast and stuff. She did it again when Taylor Swift just released her new album. It was amazing. I would totally watch Donna do this. I would watch Donna do this all the time. I also really <laughs> love that apparently she's taking too long to do it and they're like, keep it going. Let's wrap it mm-hmm. up. But she did so good. Everybody loved her. Brandon's like, you got a job every day. We'll see you tomorrow. She's like, every day? (laughs) I did love that. Like, I think this is Donna's problem. Is like, she's good at a lot of things, but she hasn't found a thing she actually wants to do every day. So when someone says, like, you got to do the weather five days a week, she's like, what? There's weather five (laughs) days a week? (laughs) Who knew? (laughs) I mean, you're so right. She's like a jack of all trades, but like hasn't quite found that passion project for her Mm -hmm. god like can you imagine being so good at so many things uh the dream i wish i wish (laughs) oh then we get a really gross moment where um what's his name rusty is that what you said yeah cameraman rusty is like i want her to do the weather naked she shouldn't be wearing clothes Ugh. and like Totally. In my notes, I was like, that's camera three or whoever was the one that just kept like tilting the camera to Tracy's legs. Guaranteed. Not even a choice. And you can tell because like the other camera guy, Evan, it's that classic, 
you don't want to call out your friend, but you don't, you also don't support what he's saying. So you just don't know Mm -hmm. what to do. So you're just like, "Eh, whatever, man, you know, like something like that. Because like, you can tell he doesn't, he like, he doesn't think of Donna that way. I mean, he walks up to Donna and tells her like how talented she is, not how hot she is, not anything gross. He just talks about like, she did a great job. Um, But then he asked Donna to ask Kelly out for him or like something and I'm like wait how do you know Kelly you I feel like you just met Donna yeah and if you work at the tv station with well okay maybe he knows Kelly from Mark because Mark worked at the Mm. tv station so he's because yeah I had the same thing is we find out in this episode there's like 16 1700 seniors in their class so like okay we can extrapolate and say school's about 6,000 students like you don't just know Kelly. Although I guess exactly. Senior Breakfast taught us that everyone knows the gang. <laughs> but yeah, he he wants Donna to fix him up with Kelly and Donna's not going to say no. No, of course not. Too bad Kelly's date that night is with Neil, who is British and has memorized a lot of literature. The immediate quoting of Shakespeare, I was like, oh boy. I was This is not dying. Kelly's type. <laughs> I was dying. Doesn't she say like, yep, that sounds like something he would say. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Kelly's felt very Sarah Michelle Geller and Buffy. Like Ooh. how she would have acted toward this. Like some of that little quippiness that would go over Neil's head. That felt mm-hmm. I got that vibe. I love it. Yeah, because he just keeps going. He makes a comment. He quotes Homer. And then I didn't write down exactly what he says, but he's like, shall we be off? And Kelly's like, off we shall be. <laughs> yeah, she's like clearly trying to like fit in for a sec. <laughs> but yeah, that's I can see that being Buffy of just like, I really want to fit in with normal people, even though I'm the vampire slayer and like the chosen one. So mm-hmm. off we shall be. <laughs> I do think it's hilarious that they left, and for some reason, this seems like the first time Claire's realized this might not be a good idea. Yeah, like, dude, you know your roommate. Like, you you literally earlier were just like, Kelly's got good instincts. Like, you don't know that about a person unless you, like, know their type and stuff like that. So, big swing and a miss. Yeah, to put it mildly, <laughs> Neil, like... I feel like he's just kind of nervous, but I was loving him the entire night when he was like, God, what did he say? He was like, most people say that, you know, the French wines are the best, but I just have to come out and say it for the Italian wines. <laughs> and he starts talking about like, it's like, hmm, I think you should order the duck. And Kelly's like, um, I'm a vegetarian. And then he starts talking more about animal meat. It's like, <laughs> read the room, Neil. He's so funny. Like... <laughs> When he starts, yeah, talking about that guy that ate all that stuff. And she goes, what did he have for dessert? And his face. And he was like, I don't know. <laughs> this man has never heard a joke before. No, poor guy. I loved him so much. Like, <laughs> Not for Kelly. Not even a little bit for Kelly. But like, I loved him. I thought it was great. And obviously... You know, Kelly's not going on a second date, but like, no, he, I enjoyed every moment of this when she like 
kind of leans over and he's like, I'd love to know what's going on behind that mysterious smile. And she's like, no, you don't. Yeah. She's like, trust me, you don't. You really, really don't. (laughs) I love her. Also, her comment about she's like, I'm a vegetarian because I prefer to eat light. It's like, Kelly, you're a picky eater. Just say it. Like, we also know she has a struggle with her relationship with food, but she's picky. Well, and yeah, like I would have been fine if she was vegetarian if she had just said like I don't, I I don't know, like I don't like red meat or something like that. You know, I don't I don't know, but give me something other than the light part of it. She's also a pescatarian. Thank you very much. Yeah, she ate caviar and lobster. Oh, that's true. That's true. It doesn't matter. Got sick it from it. Literally, but doesn't she ate matter. It. Well, maybe what if that she, turned her. Yeah, what if she <laughs> swore off after that incident? She's like, no more shellfish or fish eggs ever. Mm-hmm. Mark turned her off from fish eggs. And just turned her off. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Very slowly, she's like writing off things that she won't do because of ex-boyfriends. Oh, my God. So now Cocaine, we got shellfish. Eggs. <laughs> Bukowski twice. Oh, man. So what Next did she boyfriend. swear off from Brandon? Judging people? <laughs> no. God, she no. loves that. <laughs> if only. That would be if she dated Val. She would have to give that up. <laughs> God, I really don't know what she gave up when she stopped dating Brandon. It must be because their story isn't over. You're so right. They're in the same Perfect. They're just not on the same page. But we're like inching closer to the same chapter. She's catching up. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Brandon, because we okay. do have like one small scene where apparently everybody has to be super sus of Tom, which like I get it. He's a newbie. Anytime a new guy comes into the group, I think Val even like makes a comment about that later. Mm-hmm. But Brandon's just, like, coming home. He's Mama Brandon right now, coming home with the groceries. Tom's there. He's trying to book Donna Lewis for the pee pad and apparently calling long distance, I assume. um, Yeah. Because she lives in London. (laughs) My favorite part is that I have noticed Tom really loves to be like, don't worry about it. I got it. Like, don't worry about it. It's a surprise. She'll be happy to see me. Don't worry about it. I'll Mm -hmm. cover the bill. Don't worry about the bill. Val knows where to find me. Exactly. And because of this, like, and the fact that he asked Brandon to make coffee for him, which was hilarious. Killed me. He's now got to be Papa Brandon and, like, square up to Tom and be like, well, how long are you staying? How long's a while? Like, I swear, <laughs> he's like, what are your intentions with my Valerie? Exactly. I was half waiting for him to, like, cock a shotgun or something. Right? Like, oh, I also bought... Shotgun cleaning oil. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Whatever that is. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how you do things. I've never no. seen those things. I don't know. But, what, yeah, no. But like, okay, David doesn't trust him and now Brandon doesn't trust him. So here I am thinking if Brandon doesn't trust him, the show doesn't want us to trust him. Right, exactly. It'd be one thing if it was Kelly because like we've been not Justin Val ever since she came onto the scene because of Kelly. You know, like, then it's one thing. But, yeah, if good boy Brandon doesn't trust him, or even, quite frankly, if 
I would even say if Tracy's radar was going off, I would be like, hmm, maybe we shouldn't like him. Especially if Donna's went off and was like, no, no, we don't like him because she gives everyone a chance. Speaking of that, the next scene that night is like Donna and David are hanging out at the beach apartment and, you know, David gets up to leave because she's clearly falling asleep. And, you know, he keeps saying like, oh, I can't spend the night because I'm just like, I have so much to do. I'm so nervous about this show because Tom is supposed to be booking Donna Lewis, who he says he's known since he was a kid. And he's like, I don't have a contract. I don't know when she's showing up. I don't know what I'm supposed to do about catering and blah, 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 blah. And Donna says like, oh, but Tom's credibility is on the line. Like he's not just going to not do the thing. Which was interesting because like a lot of times with Donna, as much as we love her, a lot of her gut feelings are based on a little bit of like maybe naivete, maybe a little bit of like sunshine and rainbows, glass half full kind of look at it. And but this was a very logical statement, you know, Mm -hmm. where she was like, like, this was very insightful because she's like, well, no, he wouldn't just like ruin his reputation, like come into town, you know, stick by Val and then ruin his reputation and leave like that just wouldn't happen. And so it's it's worth noting. It's worth noting. Right. Yeah. So we have David doesn't trust him. Brandon doesn't trust him. Donna said he wouldn't screw this up because his credibility is on the line. Mm-hmm. And then the phone rings. <sighs> and some creepy person with a voice changer leaves her or tells her a creepy, threatening poem. Yeah, it, like, really freaks her out. But when she hangs up, you know, David can see it on her face that it really freaks her out. She says, like, oh, I think someone's, like, ragging on my weather bit. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, it's it's one phone call, so I get not making a huge deal out of it. But I love that David started this night being like, no, I can't stay the night. I'm so busy. I'm so stressed. And then, like, one phone call and Donna gets that look on his face and he's like, I'm going to stay the night. Yeah. I mean, one think about it, too. Like, back – when Donna was attacked, David was the one to remember to like hear Donna call him Dave and mm-hmm. come back. So not only has he been there for her when Donna's been in trouble before, but also he recognizes what's going on and is like, nope, okay, my my stuff doesn't matter. Your safety is what is most important. Which, again, is like this side of David that we've wanted to see like it's not Mm -hmm. like it hasn't been there before but it's always been there when they're friends and then once they date it's not there anymore so now they're dating and it's there I'm I'm happy I'm cautiously optimistic I also love that it's not done in a hyper masculine way where you know in a lot of cases like we've seen men at times attempt to be a protector when the woman is not asking for it, right? Mm -hmm. And do things and make decisions without consulting the woman because they just want to assume this sort of like protector status or whatever. So I very much appreciate that like it was already established that Donna wanted David to stay over, not because she was unsafe. She just wanted him to stay over and it was late and all that. He was getting sleepy. 
the fact that he then says i'll stay it wasn't i didn't take it as like oh i'm going to be the one to protect you it's like no this this will make you feel safe because you've already mentioned that you want me to be here so i'm not doing this because i'm not forcing you to you know let me stay over because of some false protective instinct or something mhm no i i love it it like it feels so genuine to me and there's nothing behind it like you said is like you know this masculine design like there's no toxic masculinity behind it it's just david being like this is going to make you feel better this is what you wanted anyway and mm-hmm. i can see in your face that this is something you need right now exactly yeah for sure i love it but then he takes that like uh weird protectory no one asked for it need to the next day to the peach pad because he just like walks out of the office looks at tom and is just like i don't think donna lewis is showing up today yeah well i told you david still feels his feelings you know oh he does and that's (laughs) it's important that he's not directing them at donna he's directing them at the people he's feeling those feelings at Mm -hmm. just i thought it was so funny that he just walked out and he was like i don't know anything and tom gave him all the answers and he was just like donna lewis isn't showing up today (laughs) i mean I think what sucks, because, like, in David's comment to Donna earlier, like, I think part of what he's, obviously, he has some reservations and he's sus about Tom, but I also think he's like, dude, I'm, like, paying out of pocket on all this right now because I have Mm -hmm. no assurances, I have no, all I have is verbal assurances, no contracts in place, I don't have any sort of agreement here, I just have your word that I go off of, so I have to be careful in, like, in case that, Donna Lewis doesn't show up, even though you're telling me she is, and I have to use this money put aside to refund tickets. So, like, Mm -hmm. there is two parts to it, but at the same time, yeah, Tom's just like, well, all you would really need is food for, you know, the band members, which are, and he, you know, numbered them, and was like, next door is fine, and he, like, comes with all these solutions, but it's still, if I'm David, I'm still like, okay, that's fine, but that's not how we do things here. We've never done things like that. You come in here. And you're trying to change everything up. And Val's just like, whatever about it. Yeah. This is a very interesting change in, like, responsible behavior now that you mention it. Of, like, David is the one being like, we need a contract. There has been no contract. I don't have any sort of fail safe to protect me. And Val is just like, just keep it going. When, what, a couple weeks ago, Val was like, this place is going under and I will do literally anything. Yeah. I mean, and same, like, I think there's two more parts to that, too, is that Val was trying to sign Ray on to come back at the P-Pass. She was willing to do contracts then. She was really willing to do some sort of agreement then. And with David, he even has experience with this sort of contractual obligations and things because of his music video stuff. So even though he's not an expert on the matter, he at least is familiar and kind of knows how it works. So yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot to it. There's a lot more than just, we have Tom's word and David just needs to chill. Cause I don't, I think David's being perfectly within bounds here. Yeah. I, I think it's so fascinating that he just like walks out and challenges Tom just because of like how that relationship ends up panning out between him and Val. Mm-hmm. But yeah, now I'm wondering like, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's Val like just learning about contracts. Like 
that's what her problem is. Is she's just like, yeah, just show up. Like, did she have a contract with Ray at the beginning? I don't know. It's a good question. Did he just get on stage repeatedly because she was like, they didn't show up. Go play that song again. <laughs> no, not the Halloween one. The other one. <laughs> yeah. And then we get this moment where we find out that Tom and Val are sleeping together. Not in a relationship, Ooh. but they sleeping together. Which is not surprising, but I'm like, Valerie Malone, you vixen. Like, I love her and I hate her sometimes because I'm like, girl, I understand that your coping mechanism with loneliness is to sleep with men because you're hot and you can, but you don't have to. You don't have to. And see, I got this as like, Val's horny and also busy and was just like, hey, this guy showed up. That's like real easy, but like set my boundaries. But like we're still going to sleep together. So like you should kiss me now. I did love when she was like, I told you what I didn't want. Now I told you what I do want. Totally on board with that. Yes. 100%. I think it's just more like she knows he has feelings for her. And yeah, she's still trying fair. to, like, have her cake and eat it, too. So I'm like, but you don't have to. Like, he already likes you. Just, you can have a platonic male-female relationship here. But yes. Then that happens, and she speaks to her boundaries, and I'm like, okay, but that's fine. Like, <laughs> that works for me, too. <laughs> this is why right? I love like, her and I hate her. She's a fun character. Just yes, love her. Oh, then we got to get serious again. Because we're, you know, back at the TV station and Donna tells Brandon and Tracy about the prank call and Tracy does try and make her feel better. She's like, oh, yeah, when I first started, like I was getting calls like that and, you know, makes a comment like I guess they've died down. And we did see her getting fan mail about like her feet. Mm -hmm. Like Tracy was getting creepy calls. So like, you know, I feel like her eternal optimism of like it's not a big thing it's totally fine just like breathe through it is shining through here yeah tell you what i loved that brandon was like i'm gonna go to campus security and i'm gonna document everything that happened so that we have a history loved it absolutely loved it loved it like that's what's important document everything mm-hmm. and even then when like tracy's like aren't you being a little you know, too much here is, are, are you sure it's not just normal, like prank calls when Brandon explains like, no, Donna was attacked and there was an attempted rape last year and all of that Tracy immediately was like, Oh, you did the right thing. This is see, this is what I love that this happened twice in this episode. Like we said earlier with Claire, it's like somebody has an initial reaction. They're then educated and given more facts and more information, more context then they change their mind. Love that for them. You don't have to just double down on everything you say. You know, I, I love that when you get more information, you're like, oh, shoot, I didn't know that. I'm so sorry. You did the right thing. Love it. Yeah. But I don't <laughs> like that Brandon just starts telling Donna's business. Well, no, no, no. Agree with that. Agree with that. I think more conceptually, I'm on the whole like, 
if you have a reaction to something, that's totally normal. But then if you're given more context to something, then that may cause you to change your mind. I feel like that's okay. Mm -hmm. But no, totally on board. I don't think that was Donna's business for Brandon to tell. I just wish maybe maybe it come out a little differently. Right. Like, I feel like, you know, Tracy could have said, like, oh, don't you think you're scaring her a little bit? And then Brandon could have been like, yeah, but there have been cases of blah, blah, blah in Southern California on campus, this and this. Like, make it very generic. Don't literally say that, like, someone broke into Donna's apartment and attacked her a couple of years ago. Like, you don't need to make it so specific. Like, I swear the amount of times that Tracy can walk up to someone and be like, oh, I heard about blah. And they're like, did Brandon (laughs) tell you that? Like, no, 100%. It happened with Val and the fake pregnancy. That's what I mean. Like, Brandon's just telling too many people, too many other people's business. And I do think he's done this before in previous seasons. So, like, yeah, that did bother me. I do appreciate Tracy, like, getting a bigger picture, like, being exposed to bigger things because, like, I think it's her eternal optimism that she was yeah. like, no, she's totally fine. And Brandon was like, no, she's not. And she's like, oh, my God, she's not. You did the right thing. Yeah. But, yeah, didn't – I did want to be like, excuse me, Brandon, how dare you? Yeah, I mean, because there's just so many other ways he could have said it, right? Like you said, like there have been cases of of violence toward women on this campus or – He could have even said, like, our group has experienced some trauma around violence or something, like you said, generic enough to where it lets Tracy change her mind, but also isn't telling personal details about one of his friend's lives. Exactly. But, you know, we cut over to Donna, who goes, so, after Kelly went out with Neil... She told Donna she'd never go on a blind date again. And Donna was like, okay, but, like, what about this guy? (laughs) And Kelly said, absolutely not. So now Donna's having to go to Neil, being like, Kelly won't go out with you. Then Neil says, it's okay. You're the one for me anyway. Or Evan. Yeah, Evan. (laughs) Hey, Neil, Evan, we got a lot of new names this episode, honestly. Larry. Yeah. Yeah, but Evan says, it's okay, you're the one for me anyway. Which, yeah, I mean, this is like the second nice thing that he said to Donna, and he's like helping her, I think, carry some some of her props over to the weather portion of the stage, and that other dude, that other camera guy comes over and makes like a, a, another gross comment about Evan just being a nice person, so. Yeah, Blech. he's like. He's like, oh, she's giving you something sweet. Why else would you be carrying an umbrella? Like, it's like a bucket with some toys. It's nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. And, you know, we cut ahead to the next morning. Donna gets another call that wakes her up. But this time it's a hang-up. Nobody says anything. She just picks up. She says, hello. There's dead silence on the phone. Then they hang up. But then she goes out and manages to convince Kelly to go on a double date with her. That's still a blind date with this guy, Evan. Which I will say that is that would make me because I'm not too keen on a blind date either. But that would make me feel a little bit more comfortable if I had two of my very closest friends slash family member 
with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Kelly very specifically says, she's like, I'm doing this for you. Yeah. 100%. And then we get to the date where Kelly's looking good. Like when she comes mm-hmm. out and she's like, hey, can you tie this for me? I was like, girl, should you wear this on a first date you're not committed <laughs> to? Like, oh my God. <laughs> she dresses better for her second blind date in a, a matter of days than she ever did for Mark. <laughs> No joke. Like, Mark made a comment about that other dress. I don't think he saw this dress. No, he didn't get to see this dress. <laughs> she looks good. And I I love in passing that she's just like, oh, Tom pulled off the show. Yeah, like we just get that information somehow. <laughs> Not that it hasn't been a huge deal. I know. <laughs> and Evan shows up. And, okay, I wrote in my notes, Evan goes into their kitchen to put flowers away, but I feel like he's casing the joint. It very much felt like he's stepping into the apartment and letting himself in and purposely trying to get deeper into the apartment. Right? Like, he is looking in cabinets. He's figuring out where stuff is in the kitchen. He's getting time to, like, look around the living room. Yeah. I was going to say he masks it by being nice you know like bringing flowers wanting to put them in a vase wanting to make sure they don't die and he says they're both beautiful like he's you know he's he's playing all sides here to like get in good Mm-hmm. and you know we get a lot of footage of donna lewis singing at the pee pad which Again, is why this is on DVD only. And so, okay, on the last date, Neil was talking about wine that whole time. And he was like, okay, you're not drinking, but are you eating? Kelly had a glass of wine in front of her on this date. Hey, she felt comfortable enough to drink. Right? I was like, oh, this must be going better. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're sitting at a table with David, listening to the music. You know, they, like, everything's going well. Steve shows up and talks to Claire. Tracy and Brandon show up, say hi, and then sit at a table behind them. You know, David seems like he's relaxing. He's still like, I am going to make people sign contracts from now on. But, like, I'm glad this worked out. I got to say, like, this entire episode had no idea if Donna Lewis was a real artist I did not even bother to look her up because, you know, it's Beverly Hills. You know, you never know. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, Ray Pruitt is not a real artist, but Jamie Walters is. And but then all of a sudden the scene starts and she starts playing that song. And I'm like, oh, I love that song. And I've heard it right my entire life. Like that song has always been popular. Never knew it was sung by Donna Lewis. Never. Never knew. Same thing. I was like. You know, I skipped through the Goo Goo Dolls because it's like, I don't have time for this. We're on a boat. I listened <laughs> to her. It was so, oh, I love, love, love that song. It's like quintessential 90s too. Right? Like if I were to make a 90s playlist, that would go on it. Me too. <laughs> I thought it was really funny that they took time out of it. You know, she finishes that song before she starts her next song. She shouts out Tom. <laughs> yeah. Tom Miller. <laughs> I know she's like this is for my friend I love you Mr. Tom Miller or whatever she says 
I think one of my favorite names that British people say is Tom. Like, Tom. Like, it's just so, I don't know, Tom. I love it so much. <laughs> so, I feel like Evan comes on a little strong in this date. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's like, oh, I'm having such a good time. I think I really like you. And then he turns to Donna and is like, this is the best date I've ever had. It was much. It was It was a lot. I feel like Kelly noticed it too. I, you can see it in her face. Mm -hmm. But then Val comes to talk to David and pretty much demands that he apologize to Tom. And if he doesn't, she's leaving the partnership. Which again, it tilts this whole thing on its head because it's like, all right, hold on. We need to know pronto what Tom knows about Val and her family. Mm -hmm. Because the fact that Valerie had gone through a fake pregnancy and a fake abortion with a married man to try to get a hundred grand to save the peach pit after dark. And now she's just willing to walk if David doesn't say, I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, for real? No, it's wild. Like, girl, this is your place that he bought into, and you're just like, oh, you're here? Bye. Yes, exactly. Like, yeah, like you said, she's willing to go to the ends of the earth for this place, so what does Tom know that she will stand by know. his side? Like, it has to be, you know, a life or death thing. Like, it has to be something that she cannot bear to come out to the world, which – yeah. It's 90210. It's coming out. We're going to find out. Of course. But it's got to be something big. Mm hmm. What I do find really interesting is that D David apologizes off camera. Yeah, we don't even see it. Yeah. Like the next time we see it, the three of them are walking and Val is just like, apology accepted or whatever. <laughs> but then she asks him for a favor. Ugh. Classic Val. <laughs> I loved this so much that, like, they have an argument ready. Like, Tom can't find a place to live until he has money, but yeah. he needs a place to stay so that he can save money. And it can't be Brandon's because Brandon doesn't trust him. And he's going to stay in the Beverly Hollywood Hills house with David, presumably in Mark's room. <laughs> yeah we don't know how many bedrooms this house has like it could be marks oh my gosh I, yeah david gets we haven't said this in a long long time but david gets maloned here <laughs> he gets so maloned she gets everything she wants yep i love it and i cannot wait for the amount of scenes where tom does something that david doesn't like and he's like don't worry about it <laughs> right <laughs> David's gonna hate uh, this remember how we used to call Stuart 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 I'm, I'm just gonna call Tom Tom now Tom Tom I love it <laughs> and like that kind of fits because I feel like this man cannot actually be happy like when Donna Lewis is at the pee pad he's just got his arms crossed against the bar <laughs> like hmm like he was so still it looked like a photograph <laughs> yes he's like 
the Christmas prince's cousin and cannot emote on his face. Yes, he is. Oh my gosh. And then elsewhere on campus, we see Evan run into Kelly. And this is maybe one of the funnier scenes that I've seen in my life, just because, like, it's ridiculous. Like, is it because Kelly is so uncomfortable? And, like, he just takes it so well that she's so uncomfortable. (laughs) Oh, okay. Bye. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, oh, I hope I didn't come on too strong, but I really like you. Let's go out again. She's like, maybe. And he's like, okay, what about tonight? And she's like, that's too fast. And he goes, okay, I tried and leaves. Right? Like, he's so, like, nonchalant about it. Like, either this is the best guy ever or something's up. Which clearly something is up. You cannot be a 90210 episode and not have something be up. Very true. Because the last scene we see in this episode is Evan runs into Donna at the TV station and he tells her that he's asked Kelly out again. And Donna's like, okay, but don't like push too hard. But then everybody gets distracted because Donna's brought in this vocal tape for her weather segment. And it is completely dubbed over by that same creepy modulated voice mm-hmm. who ends the message with like, we're going to be happy together even if I have to kill you. Yeah. He like repeats Donna's name over and over and over. Says he's going to make her very happy. Even if he kills her? What does that even mean? I, I There's no words for it, right? Like, it's... It's psychotic. Yeah, oh, of course. I mean, and Donna is affected immediately. She is really upset. She goes out into the hallway and just completely breaks down. I mean, gosh, we talked about it earlier, but she is a survivor of an attempted rape and now is experiencing being harassed again. Ugh. You know, and like, oh my gosh, the... Watching her just be like, I can't be here right now and just have to move to another room. But, like, mm-hmm. she can't physically move. So she just breaks down in the next room. I Ugh. died. I Watching her just, like, fall to the floor in the hallway hurt me. It was awful. And, like. It was so awful. Yeah. I'm just. I am emotionally tired for these women and the amount mm-hmm. of stuff that goes on on this show no totally agree they've been through so so much and like again understand this is a drama but sometimes it does feel like there's a little bit of skewed in terms of stakes and personal you know trauma that happens to the girls versus the guys you know Mm -hmm. like what we see with steve is he is almost expelled what we see with donna is she's almost raped what we see with yeah you know, Brandon, like, I guess I should back it up. Dylan had a lot of serious personal trauma. He was the poster child for trauma for this show. But it was mm-hmm. like until like once we lost Dylan off the show, once Luke Perry left, the girls became the scapegoats or the girls became, you know, the the new poster children for trauma. And I'm not saying that I want the boys to be traumatized. I absolutely don't. I just don't want – I don't want any of them to be. It just seems a little unfairly swung in one direction. That's all. Well, yeah, because I guess if you think about it in 
I don't want to call it a practical way, but like the TV writers are not going to make Brandon go through all this stuff. Like he is arguably the main character of the show. Therefore, when you look at this cast of six where it's three boys, three girls, it's going to be more heavily swung towards the girls. But they just like go all out on the girls. And then like you said, like Steve gets caught cheating. Yeah. And like I know we just experienced a lot of trauma with David. Mm-hmm. I think the difference is, is that that was like a chemical imbalance versus mm-hmm. what's going on with Donna. Yeah. Or like, it's like, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just lot. hard to reconcile. And maybe we're just a little close to it because we are three women. Um, and these are very real scenarios that could happen to any woman at any time in their life. But mm-hmm. It's regardless, no matter which way you spin it, turn it, talk about it, it sucks. Well, and like, yeah, we just saw Kelly go through so much time after time after time again. And then, yeah, Donna's big things have like pretty clearly been assault over and over again. Like she Mm -hmm. was, you know, attacked in her apartment or Ray threw her down the stairs or now she has a stalker. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. It's really rough. It is really rough. So, who do you think is the stalker? So, this is one I actually know. So, I will recuse myself. Okay. Mary? I 100% think it's other camera guy, Evan. So... I agree with you 100%. I think this show is attempting misdirects and it's just not working because Mm -hmm. when they had the Phantom of the CU storyline and Larry had a phone in his room, like I felt like that was very clearly attempted a misdirect to be like, oh, look, Larry has a phone and it's not going to be easily traceable because no one would even know it's here. Mm. And Larry's a prankster. But Larry's pranks are tying shoelaces together and like – giving Steve a comic book. Right. Yeah. Meanwhile, Evan is just like pretty repeatedly like complimenting Donna and inserting himself in her life and being mm-hmm. like, I really want to date Kelly. And then she turns it down. And he's like, oh, well, I tried. Yeah. I feel like he 100% asked Donna to set him up with Kelly as a way to get closer to Donna. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... Like, this is just a wild theory, so ignore me if this is not what happens. Anyway, um, I think that he is, like, doing these messages, and at this point, like, when they're in the room together and they listen to this tape, like, he's there so that, in his mind, he can comfort her when she's scared and maybe she'll fall in love with him. Mm-hmm. And, and he's watching her the whole time that yeah. the tape is playing. And the whole time that they're on a date with Kelly, he's staring at Donna. Mm. Yes. And, like, he's the one that gets to, like, actually, you know, quote, unquote, protect her after the tape. He's like, tell blah, blah, blah that she's not going on tonight. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think – there's no doubt in my mind that it is Evan. If it's not Evan, it is a random person we have literally never met before. Yeah, I like ruled out Rusty because I suspect him the most. Um, And yeah, camera guy Evan would be the guy I most medium suspect. 
It's yeah. always the guy Mary most medium suspects. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess we will find out next week. And what is next week? Next week, we have Season 7, Episode 16, Unnecessary Roughness. Uh, it's not football season, because it's, like, January. Right. So, yeah, I got nothing. Everything they are putting the girls through this season is unnecessary <laughs> roughness. <laughs> Touche. They're just going to have, like, a nice episode. Just a nice little apology. They're going to immediately wrap up this stalker storyline with Evan coming up to Donna and being like, I'm so sorry I did that. That was really inappropriate of me. Bye. <laughs> right. <laughs> Will you ever forgive me? No? Okay, bye. <laughs> I, I quit me. TV and school, just like Mark. Bye. Right? <laughs> oh, my God. All these people are dropping out of school with two months left. God. So weird. It's okay. Maybe he's also a Reese. <laughs> well, we'll find out next week. And until then, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at back to Podcast. You can also shoot us over an email at backtopodcast at gmail.com. That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to go into your podcast app and rate, review, subscribe, share it with all your friends and family. All of that stuff really helps us get seen and build a community, and that gives us a chance to give y'all a better product. And if you leave us a review in Apple Podcasts, we'll give you a shout out on the show because that's how much we love you. So... Until next week, from all of us at Back to Podcast, I really just have to stand up for Italian wines. I think they deserve it. I got to go eat half a PB&J sandwich. I have no idea what I'm going to (laughs) say. Bye. (laughs) Bye. See ya.